When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey, what's happening, Rush Nation? Murph here again. Got rich with me. It's uh, the last bit of the legal tampering period. We're literally just, as we're recording this, eight hours away from the new league year uh, being open and being able to ratify the deals that have happened so far and be able to look ahead to what's going to happen in the 2021 season. Rich, how are you doing? We're nearly there, nearly at the end of legal tampering. Uh, how, how's things with you and how have you found the period so far? Yeah, really, really good. I'm, I'm very excited for free agency to open. You know, we might might see some deals. I'm not sure what's what's happened over the past two days, but obviously no, nothing is official yet. I'm very keen to see if if something falls out or uh, or someone sort of reneges on a deal. Um, but yeah, you know, let's be honest, free agency's pretty much already done, isn't it? It's not even opened yet. Yeah, well, I think today will be interesting. So I think you're going to have maybe a flurry of trades today before 8 p.m. our time, which is 4 p.m. Eastern time, um, for teams that potentially need to get under the cap. Um, So it looks like the Rams are under the cap. We talked about their plan yesterday and on Monday. And so they've basically done what we said they would do. They've restructured Robert Woods. They've restructured Jalen Ramsey. And they've restructured uh, Cooper Cup. And it looks like they're just finishing the restructure on Aaron, uh, Aaron Donald. And they're the four players that have been restructured to get them under the cap. But they've released a statement saying they are under the cap now. It looks like that the Bears are there and thereabouts uh, on cap. The Falcons will get to that, restructure the deal to get them under cap. Um, so it leaks now the only two teams that need to just do some final pieces are the Saints and the Eagles from my quick maths. Yeah, I think I've got the I've got the Packers slightly there or thereabouts as well, but uh, but yeah, I'm not sure what's official and what's not as such. Yeah, I I think yeah, the Packers have I've seen that I've seen them be over in one place, under in another, but there or thereabouts. If they're slightly uh, over the cap, I think they will just do a, a quick restructure to someone like Devontae Adams just to get them to where they need to get to. I don't think they need to do too much. Um, to get them there. So uh, definitely been an interesting 24 hours. Some markets have really heated up. Some markets still are waiting to pop, should we say, and cook. Um, 
so let's go with there were three really big pieces of of news that um have dropped um let's start with Deshaun Watson because there's two bits of news about him alone that have happened in the last 24 hours the first is Michael Lombardi uh, who I'm a big fan of by the way and was a real honor having him on this show uh, in 2020 um, he went on the Rich Eisen show yesterday and he seemed to suggest that the two preferred landing spots for Watson now are the 49ers, which I understand, and the Broncos, which I don't. <laughs> um, any any thoughts on, on that piece of news? Do we think this is just sort of speculation? This is just sort of... Because I, I, I know Michael Lombardi enough to know that he is no... He's no BS. If, if he is hearing that, he's either got an incomplete picture... Or it's true. I think that, you know, as you said, the 49ers makes perfect sense. If they get, you know, a, a significant upgrade at quarterback, you'd absolutely throw them in the, you know, the elite contenders. I think they're already in that mix as it stands with some of the moves they've made. But I think that you put Deshaun Watson in the offense and they're suddenly, you know, quite potentially top two, top three favourites for the Super Bowl. The Broncos. Now, I'm intrigued to hear you say that you, you don't get it because for me, I think their offense has got the potential to be fantastic. I think they've got some really intriguing skill skill position players. I think the offensive line is not phenomenal, but I don't think it's by any means the worst. And it's got some potential and certainly got some, you know, some potential flash players. And I think that there's a, a lot worse teams that could land Deshaun Watson. I, I don't think the Broncos would immediately become a you know, a top tier contender, but I think they'd immediately become a, a solid, you know, playoff contender um, if they were to land Deshaun Watson. Here's, here's why. There's, there's three elements to my thinking that I think if I'm Deshaun Watson and I've gone to the, and I'm putting the Broncos on the list, why I'm questioning that. One is the coach, Vic Fangio. Is Vic Fangio someone you really want to go and play for? Like, as a, as an offensive player that he is, I don't see it. I don't see the draw to going and playing for Vic Fangio. Um, I just don't. I think if you're a defensive player, 100%. If I'm um, Aaron Donald and I wanted to leave LA, then yeah, Vic Fangio might be one of the first people I'd be really intrigued to go and do and see. But I don't get it from a Deshaun Watson perspective, that offense. Yeah, they've got some weapons, but um, and, you know you've got Judy and you've got Sutton, and you've got you know the tight ends there. They have a they have they have an interesting. There's no real run game there, and that's something that would need to be addressed. And as you say, the O line needs work. The second is I don't know why. I don't know what. First of all, then you've got the cap space. They're constantly letting good players go. Um, you know, they've, they're struggling to get a deal done for Justin Simmons. They, you know, they have let some really good players, especially in the secondary, go in the last couple of years. Um, and they do struggle to retain good talent. Um, you know, Shaq Barrett left there and then all of a sudden is now one of the highest paid pass rushers in the, in the, in the league and has a ring. Um, they do struggle to seem to keep their, their top players. And similar to sort of Raiders for me, that's, that would be a concern if I was looking to go somewhere and build a dynasty. The third is, I don't know what the attraction would be to being in the same division as Mahomes and the Chiefs every, uh, you know. There's, there's easier the routes. Pardon? And Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Yeah, I, there's got to be easier divisions. You would be thinking about, to build a dynasty, we have to win our division. I'm not saying you go to an immediately easy division, but surely you wouldn't want to be going to one of the hardest divisions in football. Unless, unless you're you're of that nature, so like Tom Brady, for example, made sense to me because whenever people tell him no, he gets fired up. I'm not sure if I have the same feeling, and I'm not doubting Deshaun Watson anyway. He's a fantastic player, top five quarterback in the league. All of those elements are 100% true. He's a winner. He played so well when he had absolutely nothing last season. So I'm not knocking him. This really isn't. But he doesn't strike me as that impervious. People tell me no, therefore I'm I'm just going to spit in the face of everybody and do it. I I think the the thing with Watson is is that obviously he has a lot of leverage because he's got this no trade clause, so he can tell the Texans where he wants to go. I, I, I you know I've said it before. I still the NFL or the Texans are going to want to let 
to Sean Watson force his way out because I think they're a little bit worried that it would then turn into the NBA where you've got players signing long-term deals and then immediately turning around asking to be traded. Um, but I also think he's probably running out of landing spots. I think that, you know, it, it appears that the Dolphins are kind of out of the running. Um, I think, you know, there's a piece of news that you're going to get to next that I think potentially knocks the Jets out of the running. Um, I think that, you know, I, I sort of threw out in our in our group chat yesterday that maybe the, the Patriots are sort of gearing up. You know, they've answered almost every one of their needs in free agency. Could they be the, the sneaky dark horse that's going to make a run at Deshaun Watson? Possibly. But there's there's becoming fewer potential landing spots for Watson. So I think he's he's now just kind of potentially just scraping around saying, well, the Broncos haven't got a long-term answer at quarterback. They're all right. I'd go there. The 49ers haven't. I'd go there. And, and, and that's it. He's, he's literally running out of options. But then surely if that's the case, if that is the case, he's that desperate to go, he'd be better off saying, I'm not going to play. Because when you start naming, well, I'll go to Denver, that doesn't fill me with any conviction that he's feeling like he's going. That's feeling, that is a sign of someone who is quite desperate. And then you, you've got this position of, then what happens? I think for me, if, he's, if he is serious about moving, I wouldn't be name dropping teams anymore. I would be, or get my agents to shop at teams. I would be saying, I want out. And I either don't play or whatever. And then at that point, because when you start naming the Broncos, I'm starting to think you're not that serious. You're just getting desperate. And it's no smite of the Broncos. I love the Broncos. I think they're a great organization. We're a great team. But I'm not looking at that and thinking that is like, I think he probably would go to the Broncos because I think he'd go to anywhere else other than Houston. Like, it doesn't shock me that he would be interested in going there. The same way that I think he'd be interested in going to the the Jets or the, the Giants or whoever. I think if any one of the 30 teams, 31 teams, came in for him right now and the offer was right I think he'd go I just don't get why you I just I see that as a weakness in the argument but anyway I think this this story is going to rumble on a lot so we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens the the other piece of news around him is he dropped a, a message on social media last night explaining that he's being sued with regards to an accusation towards the abuse of a woman um now he said it's frivolous um and that he's already been approached for a six-figure settlement sum before the lawsuit was even filed, and that he will fight this to to clear his name. Now, look, I'm not here to speculate. Is Deshaun Watson guilty or not? Um, I personally, I, look, I'm not here to smite. You know, if he if he is a, if he's guilty of what he has done, then 100 percent shouldn't be in the league anyway. I'm not so sure on the intentions and nature of it. It's filed as a civil, not a criminal action. So that always leads to some form of skepticism. I'm not here to speculate if it is true or not. Um, I can see where he's coming from in his point of view and where he wants to fight it. But we don't know. We don't know what the truth is. And I don't know if this is something that is going to hurt him moving forward and whether or not this is something that's going to stop him maybe getting his move because he's going to have to deal with this action. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, you know, as you said, we don't know all the information, we're not here to speculate. But the one interesting thing I do think that comes from this is that the Jets, and, and particularly Willie Johnson, has been very outspoken that he wouldn't now sign a player that had a domestic violence um, incident in, in their past. Um, and he said that he wouldn't roster any player that has that. So my sort of inkling is, if this is found to be true and, and you know, if, if he does end up settling or, or whatever, that could well take the Jets out of the running for Deshaun Watson, which I know I appreciate is probably breaking Tom's heart somewhere as he listens to this. But um, it, 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 I just wonder if this is also part of the reason why we've suddenly seen this list of teams sort of start to shrink and he's starting to list the likes of the Broncos because teams like the Jets are now no longer interested. Yeah, I think... Um... So I was I was adamant two months ago that Deshaun Watson would go to Miami. I was adamant. I thought it made complete sense to everybody. I thought that was the ultimate win-win scenario for 
Houston to get a boatload of picks plus a quarterback in Tua, who's a young player who you, you could sell to the franchise as the future of the franchise. And I think it'd still be rocky, but I I get it. Like I think I think as you could accept that and you could get behind that as a vision and going, Well, look, we've got a player who didn't want to play for us. We're gonna get a young QB who was highly touted, who had a few injuries, but hey, he, he since he's played, he's been relatively fit. He seems to have come back from that. Yes, he needs development, needs time, but we're committed to rebuilding. And then you go, okay, it's not it's not sexy. I I'm not particularly happy, but I can, there's a plan and I see it. And that's why I was convinced it was going to happen because it just was so logical that Miami have the picks and Miami have the player to do that. And I think Miami are in a, a window. I think they're in a Super Bowl window. They're working towards that. This gives them the best opportunity to win. Now, I just thought it made complete sense to all parties. That clearly isn't going to happen now. I'm now getting more of the semblance that I do not believe Deshaun Watson leaves Houston. Just as, as more of this happens, as more of this is coming out, his reluctance to say he is going to refuse to play just says to me that he's not going to, he, he, he's trying, but I think he settles for a year. And I think that you look at the Patriots and say they're a dark horse and they are, but I don't see what package they can give Houston. That's going to make that happen. Because I think if they were going to do it, they would have made that as part of the Nick Casario thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, when I was suggested throwing out the Patriots, I'm not saying they've got the picks. They've not got the package. I just, I was just looking at it thinking they've answered every one of their needs, except, you know, you can maybe say a, a stud receiver and a quarterback. And I just wondered if there's, there's another move coming, whether it be, it could be a, a you know, a trade up in the draft or it could be going out and getting someone like a chance. And I just, I feel like maybe it's me being a Jets fan and sort of cursed by Bill, but I just feel Bill's always got that next move up his sleeve that, that we're all not expecting. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's interesting, but I, I lean more towards the case. I don't think Sean Watson is going anywhere. Um, and we'll see what happens, but there's going to be a lot more cards to play on that one. Let's get into some of the, the real news. This one popped up only a couple of hours ago. And that Trent Williams, the number one player in free agency by most people's boards, um, has agreed to stay in San Francisco. And he's getting a six-year, $138 million deal, which will make him the highest-paid offensive lineman in NFL history. He's getting $55.1 million guaranteed, of which $30.1 million is a signing bonus that he'll get immediately. I mean, that's a huge contract for a player who is 33 years old in July. Yeah, it's, it's you know, yes, he's, he's arguably the best left tackle on the market, he's arguably one of the best left tackles in the league. It's it's a fair contract to be paying him based on kind of his performance last year. But as you said, that is a huge concern for me that he's going to be 36 when the, the guarantees run out on that contract. Now, you know, yes, he obviously had the year out and he's not got as much tread on the tyres as a traditional kind of 33-year-old left tackle. But... Yeah, big big money to be thrown around at someone at that age for me. Um, but if 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 he continues playing the way he did last year, it'll be worth every penny. Yeah, I think it's. I understand it, but that's a lot of money. Um, but I'm sure knowing the, the John Lynch and the San Francisco 49ers, there there's some vehicles in there to where that will be front loaded. Um, and I think that most of that money will be paid in the first two years and that, that if they needed to move on in his age 36 year, they probably could um, and it not be a huge significant hit. You know, people looked at the deal they gave Jimmy Garoppolo and thought, well, that's just an absolutely ridiculous deal for someone who only played half a dozen games for them before he got the deal. But he's on the hook now for a couple of million this year. They could cut him for like the the way that the San Francisco 49ers do their deals is they pay people up front. And then to the point where by the time they need to make a decision on them, it's very easy to cut the player. And I think this, this deal will be like that, but it's still a, a big chunk of change, but you know, good move for them. They, they get to keep their player, which is massive. Uh, another player who got uh, fully signed up yesterday was Leonard Williams. They tagged him twice. Uh, he agreed a three year, $63 million deal of which 45 million is fully guaranteed with the giants. And I think this one was a long time coming and I'm glad that they got a deal done in the end. Yeah, you know, he was uh, 10 times the player for the Giants that he was for the Jets. So apologies if I sound a little bit bitter. 
Um, but I think that the Giants had kind of handicapped themselves. And when you when you trade for a player that's you know essentially going to be a free find yourselves into, you've got to re-sign him, or you're just wasting those picks you've spent. Um, this is this is as far as I'm concerned, quite an overpay. I think 21 million a year for you know a three technique, five technique, however you want to define him, is you know that's not Aaron Donald. Let's say I think he's probably you know an overpay in my world but yeah it's he's he's a good player the Giants haven't got enough of those they need to keep him um and and quite frankly he had all the leverage because as I said the Giants had traded for him and and tagged him twice so yeah it's it's a good deal it's a good signing to keep him in-house but I think it's a little bit more money than they would have ideally wanted to be spending yeah, but where they did make some savings was on this next signing, which came out almost immediately afterwards. And they've agreed to terms to John Ross, former first round pick, on a one year, two and a half million dollar deal that's just one million guaranteed. Now, I'm not the biggest John Ross fan in the world, but I think that's sensational business by the Giants to get a player like that for a year for practically free. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. You know, we've got a guy that was a, a top 10 pick, I want to say. Only only four or five years ago, he's you know the far, far, I don't know if he's still the fastest player in combine history. I think we talked about yesterday, you know, speed kills, and that if you can run fast in a straight line, you don't even need to be able to catch. But safety's got to stay over the top. If you can stick him outside and just get him to run in a straight line, he's you're already turning the numbers advantage in in your favour. Um, and I think if you can get him for two and a half million, that's that's absolutely fantastic. You know, we talked. Uh, I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before about Nelson Aglog getting 13 million a year. I'd, I'd argue that I'd potentially, you know, if, if you put them in the same boat, I, I may possibly lean John Ross over Nelson Aglog in a in a vacuum. Well, if I can pay John Ross 10 million less than Nelson Aglog, that's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm snatching your hand off of there. And, and that two and a half million is max. That is, he hits every incentive. He's getting a million guaranteed. Like, it's not even double minimum. Like, I mean, fair play to John Ross, because John Ross could go out there and he could go and demand more money and he might get signed, he might not get signed. I know he's not had a great productive time in the NFL, right? He had a flash with Andy Dalton a couple of years ago, right? And I understand that. But that is, I mean, that to take that little money shows to me that his desire is he backs himself to, to perform and he packs himself to find a situation where he can perform and do really well. And there's a, and there's a vacancy there because there's no golden tape. Pick, so it's a good landing spot, certainly. Exactly that. I think I think it's really shrewd from John Ross because he's basically saying, "Look, I'll take no money this year, and I'll back myself because if I have a really good year, I'm going back to free agency next year, and someone's going to pay me four or five times that potentially if he has a big year." So I, I really think for John Ross, I mean, kudos to him for taking a money a deal that's not based on money and taking it based on let me get an opportunity to prove what I what I'm about so I think and I think to the Giants why wouldn't you do it I mean like for that money you'd sign almost anyone to that deal in the in the league if they've made it into the NFL and played for someone else I mean there's punt returners getting four times what he's going to get this year (laughs) like that's the logic of it so um one player that did hit the market yesterday Damian Williams he sat out last year and now he is a free agent. I was a bit surprised by this um, because his cap number isn't big. He has always been a player they've gone to in doses. So I was a bit surprised here with the Chiefs that they got rid of Damian Williams. Maybe they've just seen enough in Darrell Williams and gone, no, he's fine. He'll fill that Damian Williams role. And I guess for him, unfortunately, this is part of the risk of, of sitting out for a year because of COVID. Yeah, I think... I was equally surprised as, as you. I, you know, I'll be honest. In Dynasty, I've been picking up a few shares of um, Damian Williams, thinking that he was going to come back and, and be one of the one being in the Chiefs' backfield. But yeah, a, a little bit disappointed to see that he, he got cut. But they've also, you know, they've re-signed Darrell Williams. He's on a, a nice cheap deal. It makes sense. Darrell Williams showed flashes through the postseason, didn't he? Um, and I think he's he was competent last year. So realistically they're looking at this as you know ceh's backfield he's going to be that sort of 65 to 70 percent of the workload you you probably don't need to be paying two guys when you can pick up either a a late round pick in the draft or or maybe an undrafted free agent that'll cost you half as much 
yeah, absolutely. So um, I think it's, it'd be interesting to see where he, where he ends up because I think he'll, he'll get a decent deal somewhere. Um, that, let's talk about a somewhat surprising slash really <laughs> interesting deal here. Um, so let's talk about the Bears. Now, the Bears have signed uh, Andy Dalton on a one-year deal worth $10 million. Um, this is interesting. There was a lot of talk that they were in for Russell Wilson. They'd been sniffing around Dalton for a few days, but were reluctant to do anything because they did have this design that they could get Russell Wilson and they'd been having talks to get Russell Wilson. So what I gleaned from this is twofold. One, Russell Wilson isn't going anywhere uh, this year. It's not that he's not, not just going to Chicago. He's just not going anywhere because I think that Chicago were in a good place to, to potentially do something. And and two, that I think Andy Dalton is the star in in for that kind of deal. I think he probably starts um, and gets the nod over Nick Foles because don't forget Nick Foles lost his job to Mitch Trubisky. So um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you summed it up quite nicely there. I, I don't get the way the Bears approach these off-seasons. You know, they had the issue with the kicker a couple of years ago and they made it, you know, problem number one and they made such a song and dance about going out and finding a kicker that could hit a 47-yarder and they practised it every day in practice. It, I just don't get it. And then they've, they've had this big song and dance with the quarterback position. We're not bringing back Mitch Trubisky. We're going to go out and get a stud. We're going to trade for Russell Wilson and all this big hoopla. And then you go and sign Andy Dalton. And for me, the Bears are up against it from a cap perspective. They've got question marks at several other positions. Is Andy Dalton that much better than Nick Foles? Would the Bears be better to, to you know, roll forward with Nick Foles and spend 10 million elsewhere to try and improve the roster? In my opinion, probably. I think that, you know, with Andy Dalton, you've probably capped their ceiling at what, an eight, nine win team if everything goes right? I don't think they're going to be, you know, competing for the division. They might potentially sneak into one of those wildcard spots. But I just, yeah, you know, it's, he's, he's a bit of a meh player. It's, it's a decent contract in terms of starting quarterback at 10 million. But I just don't get, I guess, the plan from the Bears other than a case of Ryan Pace literally scrapping to try and save his job. Well, I, I think that's exactly what this move is. I think Andy Dalton is better than what they have. Um, I'm probably slightly higher on Andy Dalton than everyone else because what's the knock on Andy Dalton as a player? He's meh, right? So he's he's average, right? He's, there's the Dalton line. That's a thing for a reason, right? He is he is that that line of demarcation between average or sort of maybe above average slash average starter in the NFL to below average. And people talk about Andy Dalton now, like he's a below average starter, which I think is harsh because I don't think he is. I think he's an average starter. He is in that 17 to 20 NFL starting quarterback range. And I think he is an upgrade on what they have. I think he's an upgrade on Nick Foles. Nick Foles has never done it in a regular season. He's never done it in his entire career and all the places and all the places he's ever gone and all the opportunities on all the teams he's ever had. He's never, ever had a winning season as a starting quarterback. It's never happened. He won the Super Bowl. Everyone is tied to Nick Foles in this wonderful, miraculous um, NFL, you know, Super Bowl MVP run where he won the Super Bowl. And listen, for those half a dozen games, he was fantastic. There's no going away from it. But when given the chance to start, he has never done it. He just never has. So you can't put stock in in Nick Foles. Mitchell Trubisky, you move away from. It is strange. Mitchell Trubisky takes you to the playoffs. All right, eight and eight. But he gets you there. Um, He gets you to the playoffs. Regardless of how you want to say he did it and how bad they were down the stretch and all those things, he still got there. He didn't. And he, all right, he wasn't great against the Saints. Not many teams are. But you've moved on from him. You've made that decision. You've looked at the market. You've tried to do a couple of things. You've not done that. Now, what I would have done is I would have gone to Mitch and said, look, this hasn't really panned out for you. We are going to look to move on, but we're going to keep the door open. And if we can't get, you know, three or four players that we want, then we'll sign you and you have a deal agreed in principle. And then you bring him back. Because then that way you're kind of saving face as a GM by saying, look, we haven't fully given up on this guy. You almost do what the Buccaneers did with Winston. 
which was they kept him on ice and then they got the top target in Tom Brady and then he was gone. But they kept they kept Winston on ice. They didn't say the door's completely closed. They said, look, we're going to just explore the market. We're going to see what's out there. And I think if you go and re-sign Mitch Trubisky, it doesn't massively appease the fan base, but then nor to signing Andy Dalton. But the difference is, is that you've invested in Mitch Trubisky. You haven't invested in Andy Dalton. And as a GM, Ryan Pace is playing for his job. So he has to bring in somebody who can get them to the playoffs. I think Andy Dalton can get them to the playoffs because that defense is that good. And I don't think he makes a ridiculous amount of mistakes. He will make mistakes, but he's not going to get them far in the playoffs. They maybe make the wildcard round. Is that enough for Ryan Pace to keep his job? It might be, given the fact that he would have been there three in five years, four in five years, if he does it again this year. And I think that's, that's all this is. This is a signing of, we need someone who is going to keep our jobs for a year. Yeah, and I, and think I think that's all this is. And they kick the problem down the road by only giving him a one-year deal. Because then, what happens is next year you're in exactly the same boat you're in now. Exactly, and I think I, as a you know an unbiased observer, I'd be looking at it going, what what matters is trying to win a Super Bowl. And does signing Andy Dalton help you in a Super Bowl? No, no, not at all. What if your goal is to win a Super Bowl? Then it would make more sense to not sign Andy Dalton, roll forward with Nick Foles. If you can scrape into playoffs, great. If not, you're probably in a better position to sign or draft a, a quarterback and, and move forward with that. What Andy Dalton does is he puts a Band-Aid on it for a year. You might scrape into the playoffs. You might save you know, the head coach and, and GM's jobs. But as you say, in a year's time, you're then back to square one thinking, right, we need to try and find a quarterback. Yeah, I, I understand the move as a GM under fire. I don't understand the move as a franchise. And I think the owners here probably had a responsibility to say, are you doing this to save your job? If so, let's have a conversation because effectively what Ryan Pace has done, Ryan Pace, by the way, is for me, is the Adam Gaze of, of GMs. He's terrible. He's not made any good decisions in, in free agency at any point. As you say, he's done some very bizarre things with the kicking situation. I don't know what Ryan Pace has done that has led me to suggest that he Khalil Mack trade might be the only thing. I, I don't even think that's been spectacular, but I guess he's he's probably got away with it. But that's it. That's probably the only thing I can think of that he has done that has warranted any kind of, I don't even want to say praise, lukewarm reception. He's not drafted well. He's not bought in good players. They've traded a ton of picks that's hindered them. They've, he, he recruited a quarterback at two overall, traded up to get him. That hasn't panned out and they've let go. They passed on Watson and Mahomes in order to get that quarterback as well. I mean, look, that, that mistake can happen, right? I understand that. But you have to be accountable to that decision. And to, to not even pick up his fifth-year option, they could have just... I don't understand why you don't pick up the fifth-year option. I know you've got to pay him regardless and you've got Foles, but I would have tried to get rid of Foles and trade him while he's got something on his... I mean, you've traded for Nick Foles. That's what's crazy. You traded for Nick Foles. You gave up a fourth-round pick, but you took his contract on. I mean, the Bears just are a mess and need to sort something out. Let's yeah, talk about I mean, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, that's, that's to me, the worst move of the lot is that quarterback kind of carousel in which, you know, Cam Newton was left out there unsigned and the Pats were able to get him for a couple of million. The the Bears traded a pick to take on Nick Foles' contract, which was obscene. And that that was just my blow. Yeah, and it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You could talk about coaching partnerships and who he's been successful with previously, but it's not worked. And uh, yeah, uh, the Bears need a lot to, to sort themselves out. Let's talk about a team that is trying to sort themselves out. Jaguars have been very, very busy in this in this window. And they've now gone and signed Marvin Jones to a two-year, $14.5 million deal, including $9.2 million in fully guaranteed money. Um, as we said, we're seeing a lot of these two-year deals, as we kind of predicted. That's kind of what we were expecting. And we've got one here in Jones signing a two-year deal. I think look, what, what the Jags have done this offseason is they've gone out and they've, they've signed a lot of players at, at potential positions of need. What I find weird is that they've not signed, with the exception of, of potentially Shaquille Griffin, they've not signed what I would class kind of top tier free agents. And instead, they've paid above average money for fringe starters and backups. 
And I, I don't get it, if I'm being honest. I think that, yes, they've got a load of cap space. I think you even need to go one of two ways. You even need to go and sign a few, you know, above average starters that are going to help improve your roster overall. Or you wait out, like the Colts are doing, you wait out this first wave of free agency. And then in the next two weeks, you're going to see some absolute bargain deals being done. And, and and that's where you pick up your fringe starters and your backups to some, some really good money. I think what the Jags are doing is, okay, maybe not this. I think this is probably about going right for Marvin Jones. I think he's, you know, a solid wide receiver. I think that's fine. But I think the rest of their deals have been overpaying for, you know, replacement level starters, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um but I do like Marvin Jones. I think he's significant. I think when you are a, when you're bringing in a rookie quarterback, you need to bring in players who can just do the basics, catch the football, be effective, get open. And Marvin Jones has done that. I think he's an effective number two wide receiver. It's low risk. It's low money, but he's productive. He always has been productive. He will continue to be productive. I quite like this deal because you're surrounding you're surrounding him with weapons. You've still got LaVisca Chenault there. It, the question is, do they stick with Chark or do they go somewhere else? But I like that. If that if they don't, you've got a receiving core of Jones, Chenault and, and Chark. I like that receiving core for a rookie. I'd be thinking I'm quite excited by that. Um, he's better than Conley. He's better than everybody else they've had there. I quite like that move and I think it's low money. So I get, I get what you're saying, but I don't think that's a ridiculous expensive deal. I mean, you're looking at, if it works out, it's seven mil a year, which is under market for a player of his caliber. Yeah. Or perhaps, perhaps I chose the, the wrong opportunities going on the Jaguars kind of <laughs> off season overall. But I, as I said, I think this is, this is a decent deal. You know, it's, it's solid. I think he's, you know, as you said, solid. He, he helps them out both from a kind of, veteran leadership standpoint and also from a you know a, a, he's a competent receiver um but i just think that i, I don't get the jags overall no. move as such there's been a few that have been very head scratching questionable but I, I quite like that deal i think it's that that one makes a, a bit more sense to me but we'll see what they do um getting to getting to the the remaining days of free agency um saints have traded defensive lineman malcolm brown to the jags <laughs> Um, and then they immediately gave him a contract, a two-year deal worth worth eight million. Um, they're investing in these trenches and they're upgrading the lines, which is which is great. I'm not sure. I don't know what they paid to get Malcolm Brown. I can't imagine it was much because the Saints needed to get get rid. But yeah, I think um, this one's an interesting one for me because I don't think Brown has been the most productive player I've, I've ever seen in the NFL. I mean, he's he's a uh... A, a solid kind of two down run stuff and de tackle. Like he's, you know, he he's decent. I, I don't think you need to be paying a premium for him. I think, yeah, the, the contract's not 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 huge money, but this is the kind of deal I'm talking of that you've got a, a you know, a, a, what I would class as a replacement level starter, and you're paying him more than you probably need to. You could have got him, you know in a week's time for, for less money in my mind. Yeah, I agree. Um, Texans have, we'll go back to the Texans, they've they've signed a backup to, to Sean Watson, and that's Tyrod Taylor. Um, very similar contract to what Newton and Winston are getting. The numbers are worth up to 12.5 million. That was leaked, but really, realistically, he's getting under 6 million. Um, but he's just a backup. Um, no one should get excited about this deal. This isn't like the big controversy, what's going to happen to um, to Sean Watson or anything like that. None of that is is going to be a thing. So don't worry about that, folks. It's it's just a backup move. Um, and I think it, it's it's shrewd business to have a solid backup. And Tyrod becomes, I think, one of the best backups in the league as a result of that. I think it also takes away the need if the Texans, and I don't think Texans were to trade to Sean Watson, it means that they now don't have to rush to go and get a quarterback. They could spend the year with Tyrod, reassess where they're at, and then go next year and go and get a quarterback. It, it takes away that, you know, that that sort of panic move of like the Bears have done, going out and grabbing a quarterback because you've not got any other options. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, 
Zakertz is available for trade. I mean, I think that that came out yesterday. I kind of thought he already was, so I was shocked that 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 made news yesterday. But it's important for fantasy, so that's why I did it. I, there's no real new. Apparently, teams are talking. I don't know what a good landing spot is for Zakertz, really. Um, I guess we'll see what happens in in the coming days for that one, and whether anyone's actually going to pay up uh, to get him, but. From, it's the same situation it was last week. He's not going to be on the Eagles roster in, in 2021. That's probably all we do know right now. Um, Will Jackson has gone to Washington, so they lost Ronald Darby, um, and they've upgraded and got Jackson. I think this is a, a great bit of business because we talked about Darby, and we kind of, yeah, he's kind of, he's been floating around every year. He gets a deal, every year he gets a deal. If he's healthy, he's great. And they've picked a really good, healthy corner, and they're only paying him a couple of million more than than what they were paying Derby. So I think this is this is really, really good business. Yeah, you you can basically pencil in, you know, one half of of your secondary, and he's. We know that he's a good player. We know that he's produced fantastically well over the past, you know, couple of years. He he can. He's probably the best man corner available. Um, and as you said, when you're getting him. 14 million a year, you know, that's not huge money. Um, I think it's it's a fantastic deal and, and should improve what is already a, a very good defence. So moving on to what I thought was a very surprising move that came through very early hours of the morning. Um, Jamal Williams is signing a two-year deal worth $7.5 million with the Lions. And I think that's a strange landing spot, personally. Yeah, I don't quite understand it. I think that the the lines were always going to add somebody and just roll with DeAndre Swift, but I don't get why you've gone and signed a guy who, let's be honest, his his best asset is his pass protection and his receiving game usage. Well, are we? Does this mean we? Does this hint that we're going to see more two running back sets for Detroit, or are we going to be taking Swift, whose best best skill set is his receiving game usage off the field in? you know, obvious passing down situations. It's a little bit concerning for George Swift, but yeah, just I, I would have preferred to see them go and sign a, you know, a bigger, more traditional first and second down back than uh, someone like Jamal Williams. Yeah. I, I, I just feel bad for Jamal Williams. I thought this was an opportunity for him to go and earn a starting job somewhere. <laughs> and it makes me think, is he being told he's going to get a significant role there? Because he's being paid like he's going to have a role. I'm I'm really intrigued. Obviously, Dan Campbell in his his opening press conference, he said when they're talking about coordinators, he said he doesn't want a play caller. He wants someone that's going to be able to utilize his best players. And he wants he mentioned DeAndre Swift being used out of the slot heavily. And I wonder if this is a hint to that in that DeAndre Swift is going to be used more as a a movable chess piece, which could you could see Williams and Swift on the field at the same time quite a lot. It's going to be fascinating. I thought that was a strange one. Another one I thought was very strange. We talked about Michael Brockers potentially being a, a cap casualty. He was in fact traded to the Lions. Um, so the Rams asked Brockers to adjust his contract. They couldn't agree to terms. So he's now being traded to the Lions and he's going to face a very awkward um, reunion with Jared Goff after... Mm-hmm. Because when Jarakoff was traded uh, to the Lions uh, and they brought in Matthew Stafford, he called Matt Stafford a um, an upgrade. <laughs> um, the official wording he said was, um, "Matt Stafford is a level up <laughs> from Jarakoff." So that's going to be an awkward conversation when uh, the two get reunited in in Detroit. <laughs> I'm sure uh, Michael Brockers will enjoy hitting Jarakoff at some point in training camp and. Uh... Yeah, we'll, we'll probably remind him of that fact, I'd imagine. <laughs> um, one sneaky bit of business that went under the radar was Emmanuel Sanders. He has gone to the Bills. One year, $6 million deal with another additional $500,000 in, in incentives um, as a replacement to, to John Brown. Um, I like this. I think it's a good move for all parties. Yeah, nice piece of business. I think, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, he's getting a bit long in the tooth, but I think he's still got some some decent production left in him. It's uh, you know he's he's another receiver that can get open, can win in versus man and zone, and I think that he'd be a you know a good number two in that offense. I know people are 
dreaming of Gabriel Davis stepping in and being a stud, but um, I think this just proves that yeah, it's it's going to run through Stefan Diggs and uh, and then there'll be a few complimentary pieces outside that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say is those of you that were trading and getting Gabriel Davis might see a little bit of a hit there uh, in terms of uh, his development potentially for this season, but he's still probably a good buy for future seasons. But I can't see him having the ceiling he was going to have a week ago or a few days ago before this trade happened. Um, mentioned the Falcons um, and they got under under cap because Matt Ryan has... Uh, created the cap space. They have restructured his contract. They took $21 million of his base salary, converted it into a signing bonus spread over the next three years. So um, Ryan's cap number has gone from 40.9 million this year down to 26.9. So they freed up 20 million of space um, to do this. And that means that they are able to get under the cap and, and potentially even sign a player or two. This is, you know, a, a good yes, win now move for the Falcons. But I don't know if you've seen Murph, the cap hits for Matt Ryan across the next two seasons. They are absolutely mind blowing. Oh yeah. So, so his cap hit next season is going to be forty eight point six million, of which forty and a half is guaranteed. And in twenty twenty three, he will have a cap hit of forty three point six million. And even if they cut him, there'd still be a fifteen million cap hit. It's, which which is swallowable now. I mean, that 15 million is is now what we're seeing in the NFL. People, the teams are willing to do that. We've seen it with Goff. We've seen it with Wentz. Um, we've seen it with a few players now. The, the teams are willing to eat that money. 15 million, considering the cap will go up, is, is a number people will eat. But it what it does mean is they're not going to draft a quarterback. Yeah. This year. You that can take them off the, off the sweepstake. I think, yeah, this, this move basically means that Matt Ryan is 100% the quarterback for the next two years for Atlanta. Um, and I think that they're now, not, you know, all in to try and win in these next two years rather than trying to, you know, potentially draft someone and build around them moving forward. Which I think is a strange move given the division they're in. But I, I, when you're looking at choices and what they've got to do, and listen, they had to do something there in extreme cap situation i think they probably took offers though they took calls for offers for trades and because of the way their contracts are, st- are structured people weren't happy to take the contracts on so i think they were going to always be stuck and i thought someone like julio could come off the books they've managed to keep everyone on the books but it's come at the cost of they're now in purgatory for me for the next two years they're in a real purgatory position because you say it's a win now. I can't see they've got enough pieces to win now. I mean, you're talking about a team that's that's come off uh, a five-win season, four-win, five-win season. It's not – and they're not adding to that. Yeah, they had some injuries. Um, they're probably better than a five-win team and the coaching issues and everything. I can't see them getting nine wins with the team they have. And they can't add unless they draft. If they draft like gods, maybe but they'll need most draft picks to hit. So I just think they're in a bit of purgatory now. And what I would look to do is try and eat this money over the next two years and stop pushing more of it out um, and get yourself into a better position. But you've got a new GM and a new head coach. So they came into this situation inheriting this. So I reckon this wasn't the option they ideally wanted to take, but the idea that they've been forced into it because it was the only play they had left. That's how I I kind of see that situation. I think when you're a new head coach and new GM, I sometimes think it's a really smart move in terms of buying you some longevity to just roll with the situation that you've already been dealt. You know, if if they come in, they draft a quarterback high, you know, say they took someone, Justin Fields or Trey Lance at four, that their, their kind of success and their future of the franchise is tied to that one player. Whereas what they can do is they can roll with Matt Ryan for the next two years, if that doesn't work, they will then, in all likelihood, be given the opportunity to go and draft a franchise quarterback and build around that quarterback moving forward. So it turns a, a potential two or three year kind of window into a four or five year window. And I think that, yes, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Arthur Smith is looking at it saying, I, I can win with Matt Ryan. But I think actually, it's a smart move because it just buys you that extra window to, to kind of 
try and build a successful franchise rather than going all in on on a rookie contract at QB from day one. I think what you say on that is so true because it lowers the expectation levels because now Arthur Smith can win six games and he's not a failure. He can win six games this year and go, or even seven, and that's not a failure. That is, we're playing with the players we've got. We're dealing with the situation. We have a succession plan. This is what it's going to look like in a couple of years. So I, I agree with you. I think as a GM and, and head coach, it's not sexy. It's not ideally what you want in your first job. You'd love to come in and make a load of wholesale changes, but they don't have bad players. You know, They have a good offense. That offense is is a good offense. You need to get a run game going in there. I don't know who they're going to get in there to, to run the ball, but they can get one in the second round of this draft. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, quick preview of um, what could happen today. So I said that maybe 70% of the names that we listed yesterday would go off the board. Um, less than 25% of the names came off the board. Only five uh, of the major pieces came off the board. That was Trent Williams, Hunter Henry, of course, who went to the Patriots, Shaquille Griffin, who went to the Jags, William Jackson, we've talked about, uh, and Andy Dalton. Um, there's still a lot of names out there, um, especially at the wide receiver and edge positions. There's still um, significant numbers there. Um, we still have some defensive linemen uh, on the board. Um, the areas that are looking a little bit thin now, linebacker, uh, tight end are the two areas I think that look very thin and also this backup quarterback market because I think Mitch Trubisky's probably the only notable quarterback out there unless I'm mistaken no that's, that's pretty much it isn't it I, I do wonder if we'll see a few more names float out you've obviously got I know he's not best but someone like Chase Daniels still floating around uh, uh, well and I expect the Buccaneers to re-sign Blaine Gabbert so I, th- I mean that will I, I would expect that one to get done at some point um, but that's you know we're looking at backup market now there's no more starting caliber quarterbacks uh, out there so um, interestingly uh, six teams have yet to acquire a free agent from another team they are the Buccaneers the Colts which is I think a massive surprise because I thought they would have signed someone um, in this window so far given the cap space they've got the Eagles isn't a shock for me the Falcons uh, the Packers and the Rams yeah, it's, it's all the teams that we know are in cap difficulty. But as I said, the, the Colts are, I kind of feel like they're looming over this. You know, they've, since since GM's been in place, they've, they've never really spent huge money outside of Phil Rivers. And I do wonder if they seem really smart. And I just think that they're going to kind of mop up on some fantastic deals over the next few days. I think, you know, you, you'd expect them to bring in one of the big name wide receivers. I think that they could potentially look at bringing in someone like a Hassan Reddick. Obviously, Justin Houston was there previously. I wouldn't be shocked to see them sign two or three you know, better players, above average players that are still out there to Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'm I'm keen to see where Eric Fisher lands because I think he him and Mitchell Swartz are, are two very good tackles. Um surprised they're probably still on the board so that'd be interesting to see where they land as well so lots of uh, interesting things i'm just going to quickly um i thought this would be a shorter pod but we've actually got into some really interesting topics so um i'm going to get into just very quickly round up all the deals or all the news from yesterday we haven't talked about so every team gets equal uh, representative uh, nature so the colts have placed a second round tender on zach pascal which i'm not shocked at in the slightest Titans are releasing Adoree Jackson. He becomes now probably the best corner out there. I'm just re-looking at the board to see if I've missed anyone obvious. I don't think so. So I think Adoree Jackson becomes probably the best corner out there. I think he's very interesting because of, you know, he is blazing fast and he offers that special teams potential. Um, He's certainly, you know, an interesting name floating around out there. But if you're looking for, you know, a, a lockdown corner, he's certainly not that. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Bengals have paid a standout kick returner, Brandon Wilson, uh, $4.625 million over two years. Um, the Titans are signing uh, Janoris Jenkins, so that probably explains why they got rid of Jackson to get a bit more um, solid, uh, solid performance there in the back end. Uh, Dolphins are signing Malcolm Brown. Um, I'm really confused because I kind of thought I had this Dolphin situation sorted. 
and I thought that they'll go and sign Harris in the draft. And it'll be like, well, it'll be Harris, Gaskin, Ahmed. And now they've got Brown. It, this just screams of like another Jordan Howard. Let's just get as many people as we can. Still got Laird on the books. Like, are the Dolphins going to try and do what the Bears did last year, but for the running back position instead of tight end and just have everyone available? Because I don't know. Because obviously they traded for John Joe Washington halfway through the season last year as well. It's It's almost like they're not willing to spend money or high-priced assets and they're just throwing you know as as many darts at the board and, and hoping one hits I think it's an interesting approach to me this screams of we're not wanting to spend money on a running back so I think it probably knocks them out of I know a lot of people suggested Aaron Jones a lot of people have talked about as you say Harris OCM to me this signals they're just going to roll with with Gaskin, with Salvin Ahmed, Laird and, and Brown and, and just try and get by with kind of replacement level talent there. I, I still think they draft one. I still think they draft one. I just wonder if, if they brought Brown in just because he's so good at the goal line to come in and, and basically vulture some touches um, and, and get some extra efficiency there to help tour out. Maybe, I don't know. It's interesting, but they confuse me right now what they're doing, the Dolphins in free agency. I kind of expected them to be players in this market and they haven't really done anything of merit or note yet, which I think is interesting, but we'll see what happens. Um, the Ravens have agreed to terms with defensive end Derek Wolf, three-year, $12 million deal. Um, Justin Hardy is going to be a Jet for the next three years, apparently. Uh, thoughts on, on Hardy and what he's going to bring to the Jets? It's purely a special teams play. Um, I, I can't admit that I, I knew him before, but from what I've read and the quick bit of film that I've watched, he's he's essentially the best gunner um, in the league on, on punts. Um, so it's purely we've just brought him in because, quite frankly, we were woeful on, on our punts last year in terms of punt coverage. Um, so we're hoping that he'll, he'll kind of help us out there. Yeah. Um, Brown's a... Uh, former Browns cornerback uh, Terrence Mitchell is going to the Texans as they continue to pile up the numbers. I think they're up to like 12 or 13 players they've signed the Texans, all of them random in their own nature. Um, <laughs> I, I'm interested. I, I, can't, I kind of feel like um, Nick Casario is deciding he's going to hold a tryout for every position except for quarterback on the team um, and just basically bring in a load of bodies and just think, well, we're just bringing loads of people and we'll just see what happens. I do like Terrence Mitchell, but I don't know if he's not a starting caliber corner and then certainly not paying him like one. So I'm intrigued what they're going to do there. Uh, Seahawks are going to sign um, uh, Akalo Witherspoon, who was with the 49ers. He's a cornerback. Bears are bringing in um, uh, Jermaine uh, Ifidi. Uh, he is going to command one year uh five million deal to come back to them seahawks are re-signing puna ford nose tackle two-year deal worth close to 14 million with incentives i think that's good business for the seahawks i don't think they could afford to get worse on that uh on that line um david andrews is going to hit free agency uh, easily the best center on the board patriots wanted to keep him doesn't look likely that is going to happen now david andrews will be with a new team in 2021, Nicholas Morrow is resigning with the Raiders. The Bills are trading tight end Lee Smith. I'll be honest, never heard of him. To the Atlanta Falcons for a late 2022 pick. I mean, the Bills don't use tight ends anyway, so and the Falcons don't do loads, so it's probably a blocking tight end, right? Yeah, exactly that. He's a blocking tight end. Very, very rarely gone out and pass routes. Yeah, not someone that I'm massively affair with. Uh, Cardinals agreed to terms of offensive lineman uh, Kelvin Beecham to a two-year contract. Joby, uh, Jacoby Brissett is joining the Dolphins as their backup on a one-year deal. Um, don't worry about that for fantasy or anything like that. It's just an interesting... Uh, I think it's probably shrewd business to have uh, Jacoby Brissett behind Tua, given we expect him to be healthy, but if he's not, at least you've got someone there who can who can play. Um Bills, uh, former Bills offensive ten, uh, tackle uh, Ty Nishki has agreed a one-year deal to join the Cowboys. The Bears seem to be shopping around Anthony Miller and are having trade discussions with other teams. For fantasy-wise, if you've got anywhere you'd like to see Miller line up? Not not really. I'm, I'm not a big Anthony Miller fan. Um, I'm certainly not going out of quarry now. I, I think the Bears may end up potentially 
him. He's, he's certainly not produced. I know there was a lot of hype about him last year. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a nothing, to be honest. Let me let me throw a scenario out to you. If he goes to the Packers, because it's easy, right? It's easy to link any wide receiver available to the Packers. They don't have a lot of money. Miller's cheap, very cheap. One year on his deal, because he's at the end of his rookie deal. Probably not going to cost a lot to acquire. If he ends up with the Packers, because all those boxes kind of make sense to me. Not They need a wide receiver. He is cheap. It's one year, so it's no commitment. It's not going to cost you a whole amount of draft capital. And to be honest, the Packers don't know how to draft anyway. So uh, losing a draft pick doesn't matter. If he ends up in Green Bay, does he become more interesting to you? I think I'd still rather have the other options in that offence, to be honest. I'd prefer Lazard. I'd prefer probably someone like MVS as a dart throw each week. Um, I just don't buy that Anthony Riddle is going to be going to be anything than a you know, wide receiver six or seven, even in a fantastic situation. Makes sense. Uh, I was just curious. Um, <laughs> I think I think he will be... I do like Anthony Miller. I think he's got skills, but he has temperament issues. That's the biggest problem that he has. And I think if he lands somewhere decent, he could be usable, maybe even in DFS, but we'll see what happens. The Saints have agreed a deal to take former Panthers fullback Alex Armar. Sure, probably means they're moving on from their own fullback and it's cheaper. Um, so it looks like the 49ers uh, this morning have agreed to terms and going to be signing centre Alex Mack, who was with the Falcons. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, basically it looks like that they're really just investing on that offensive line. Um, and the Bills made a, another significant move yesterday as they signed uh, former Dolphins punter Matt Hack. And, and the biggest news, breaking news, Lamar Miller has agreed to return to Washington on a one-year deal. Oh. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, wow. What is the point? <laughs> that's the perfect... See, I thought, our oh, punter, that's the best way to end this, and you've just you've topped it. Lamar Miller going to Washington because he was just not even used there last year. He played a game and then got injured, didn't he? Oh, yeah, but... Yeah. Oh, well. He, he's going to join... The, uh, the plethora of backs that they've got there under contract and not be a thing. Cool. That's a good way to end. So this should take us up to, uh, there'll probably be some deals now between now and the um, official opening of free agency, which is about seven hours away as we, as we're ending this. Um, have you got any other predictions, thoughts, comments you want to make before we do this tomorrow and before later, later on the pod? I think, the wide receiver market is going to kick off, but probably not until this time tomorrow. I think everybody's kind of eyeing each other. Nobody wants to be the first guy to go and sign one of those sort of four four top options. But I think as soon as one goes, you'll start seeing the other dominoes drop. Yeah. I My prediction is I think there's going to be some trades today. I think you're going to see some teams make some moves. I think you'll probably see as many as four or five trades go through today um for teams trying to get under cap or teams just seeing an opportunity to get something from a player who was probably going to get cut as a cap casualty and therefore just to get anything like a 2022 seventh or sixth or conditional pick just to to get something so i think you'll see i don't think any of them are going to be major blockbuster trades i don't think any of them are going to be like wow but i do think you'll see four or five trades today that's kind of my my prediction um Stocks will be back with you tonight. I think Lee is joining him, um, but I'm not overly 100% sure, so don't shoot anyone for um, They will take you through all the deals up until the start of the league year, so they'll have everything ready for you for the rest of the uh, legal tampering period. And we will be back tomorrow, Rich, to talk through all the official free agency deals. We will see if someone flips and reneges on their contract and joins someone else, and I'm promise you if it is it'll be the very first thing we talk about unless there is an absolute showstopper that we have to get to first exciting times <laughs> okay well look uh, everyone knows where they can find you if they've been listening all week uh if not he's at dynasty island um you also dropped your new show today on wide receivers i have not listened yet apologies but i will give it a listen uh, later on today as i'm catching up but give it give a little tease to it so people can can join it yeah so so joined by uh, so michael also known as at daddy's home ff on twitter um yeah really interesting guy we, we talked through the kind of 11 big names um of the the rookie wide receivers 
Um, I'm a little bit lower on a couple of the big names um, than perhaps consensus. So, so yeah, certainly an interesting chat. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think this is one of the most fascinating wide receiver classes, and I was pretty stoked about last year. And I love the fact that so many people have different opinions. And based on some conversations we've had, I think your opinions line quite similarly to mine, um, which is good. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. But do give it a listen, especially if you're playing Dynasty Football or just you're a draft enthusiast. Um, but we will be back tomorrow. Stocks will be in your ears later on. Enjoy the rest of the free agency uh, legal tampering period. And we'll be welcoming in a new year tomorrow. But until then, Rush Nation, don't forget. all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.